0: You took Under Outfit from 50K per week to a million per week in a matter of like 12 months. How the hell did you do that?
1: I I would say 20X growth in less than 20 months is a fair way of putting it. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I think like if the idea is like, well, what is the secret sauce to do it? Like, I don't know that there's a one single best thing that made it happen. But I will say like, I had to focus on three primary things. The first one was focusing on what made the business work. Um, I think most people try of like, oh, I can make money here, I can make money here, I can make money here. And they look back and like, oh, I'm making a nickel on a dollar here, I'm making a dime here, I'm making a quarter over there, but I'm making money everywhere, I should just keep doing it. But really like, if you can make a quarter or you can make a nickel, every time you make a nickel, it costs you 20 cents. Not only that, but like in Facebook where it's a machine learning environment, where the machine is learning how to do a job. If you focus all of that effort on doing one job really well, it's gonna get better and better at it. Just like, you know, if you're a barista And you're making lattes and mocha, frappes or whatever. And then someone's like, oh, also now you have to make sandwiches. Like you're not going to be good at both, right? And and so my point to that is find out what you can do best, uh, find out what's best for your business, and then ultimately make the machine focus on learning how to do that job as best as you can. So really the first step of that was figuring out what was the best offer for the business model it wasn't the highest aov it wasn't the product with the best ltv right away it wasn't the product like there's so many things that people say this is the product you should focus on what we did was we took a look at it and said this is the product i can afford to get a lot of sales on a day so the cpa was low enough for us to get a decent volume because every transaction is a new data point that makes you better And this is a product where more likely than most other products, when somebody buys this, they're gonna buy again. And not only that, we have a good idea of when they're likely to buy that second time. And I think there's this really, there's a a very common thread of selfish myopathy uh, looking at the way you look at business results inside of your Facebook ad account or performance marketer, where you look at, well, what's my row as? How much money to make on the money I spent today? But that doesn't matter. Business isn't about day to day profits. Dis- business is about future cash flow at a profit. You can't scale a brand in 30, 45, 60, 90, 120 days if you only make money once because If you don't know where the next money's coming from, you're gonna live and die by how you did every day. You're, You're a salesperson, you're not a business. And there's a big difference between like having a product and having a brand, right? Between being a salesperson, making one transaction versus having a business where you create customer journeys. And so when we focused on, this is the item that has, for what it's worth, not the best AOV, and not the cheapest to sell, but really solid. Uh, and we can get a lot of volume on it. And we know that this is more likely than other things to lead to second and third purchases. And that way we knew that what we call PSM, lifetime value divided by the sum of CPA and COGS times frequency of purchases. Like we know if somebody buys this, we know what the future cash flow looks like. Which means when you're spending money. On Facebook ads, what you're doing is you're amplifying a business model. If that business model says, I know how much money I'm going to get today and how much money I'm going to get in 30 days, 45 days, 90 days, whatever it happens to be, well, now I can evaluate what I'm spending today based on the future value of that money, if that makes sense. So it's not, I spent a dollar and I made a dollar 25. It's, I spent a dollar, and in the next 30 to 45 days, I'm going to get this money here, this money here, and maybe this money here. Now I can start to plan for future costs. I can start to plan for inventory. And when I focus the machine on doing just that job, it's going to get better at it. So I'm going to reach higher quality people more often for lower price. And more importantly, I can start to work on the business model around that offer to improve the second purchase rate to improve the ltv to improve the aov so that like my landing page tests continue to compound in value my email flows continue to compound in value as i test them my one click upsells all my offer construction i can say this is how i make money i'm going to make this thing work better i have other things that i sell but this is what i'm spending my money on to grow the business because i know with greater certainty than anything else how this is going to impact my bank account in the future so that was a big shift i'm going to be fair like the business wasn't that old when i came on board i don't think there was a focus on that and i also don't think there's enough volume to know what that looked like like if you're in business for three months six months you might not know what a nine-month cash flow projection looks like because you literally haven't been in business for that long. But I think that was point number one, was really figuring out if we're going to spend money to make money, what is the single best investment we can make so that we can start to centralize all of our efforts around that? And uh, to be fair, I did the same thing with 310 Nutrition. We went from 18 million to like 100 million in 15, 20 months. Um, I've done that over and over again. And I think that that's one of the biggest liabilities most performance marketers bring to the table um like when you hire an ad agency that's trying a bunch of offers like the biggest one of the biggest risks that they bring and why they destroy more clients than they help is because they're not focused on how the business's bank account looks like they're not looking at cash flow and cash flow is the number one most important thing now, so i, I think have
0: i have i have yeah a question there because you First of all, you mentioned that the business model has a lot to do with your success with Under Outfit, right? Sure. So let's say that I am a small business right now trying to grow. How will I go about the metrics that I have to know in order to put my business in a position to scale?
1: Yeah, I mean, the key metric that I look at when analyzing any business opportunity is a metric called Profitable Scaling Margin, or PSM and basically it's what's the lifetime value of my customer divided by the sum of or divided by this other equation which is cost per acquisition cost to produce the goods and how often does somebody buy it so for instance if i know it costs me 10 bucks to make a product and it costs me 40 dollars to sell that product And the average person buys two and a half times. Well, that's ten plus forty. That's fifty times two and a half. That's a buck twenty-five. If I know that customer's worth two hundred dollars, well, now I know every time I spend one hundred and twenty-five bucks, I'm going to make two hundred dollars, and I know when that future money is coming. Now, if I'm a young company. A lot of people say, well, I'm young. I don't have LTV. I don't know what it is. My response is that's complete nonsense. If you want to know your LTV, it's really simple. What is your total revenue divided by your total customers? That's your total LTV. If you don't have a more sophisticated number than that, that's a completely accurate way of looking at things. And then you can just simply say, okay, great. Now, what product do when somebody buys this product, what's the product that most likely lends itself to somebody buying a second time? If I start to sell that product, more than likely, my future cash flow is going to look better because a higher percentage of the money I spend today is not only going to bring me money back, but also going to be more of its friends in the future. And I know when they're going to stop by and present themselves. So I can start to predict and project and plan for 20 days, 30 days, 40, 90, whatever it is. But I think that's the thing that most people need to start focusing on, even if you're brand new we have three products or a hundred is if you look at that equation, that ultimately tells you how much more money could you spend per acquisition of a transaction in your business. Uh, And if it's 5% or it's 105%, now you have a very good idea Of how much more money you could spend on an average basis. So, say it's my PSM is a 1.1. I know I could spend 5% more tomorrow. And if I make zero extra sales with that added spend, I'm still profitable. Mm -hmm. And odds are, if you spend an extra 5% every day, you're probably going to see at least one extra sale. And you'll get better and better at maximizing the volume of that opportunity. Um, and for what it's worth, as you improve it, that number should get better and help you scale more. Like when we started, I think it was like a 1.3. And by the time it was at like a million, it was like over a two. Like every dollar we spent was worth $2, which is just crazy. Wow. That's super interesting. I, Want you
0: to explain how, because you said that in order to get to this point, you need to identify this let's call it a hero product. Yeah. Is the most likely to get the second purchase mm-hmm. in that customer journey. So, how yeah. I'm a brand right now listening to this. How would
1: I go about identifying this product in my store? Well, there are a lot of fancy pieces of software you can pay a lot of money for. There's lifetimely. You can you can get somebody a great CPA to analyze all of your receipts. That'll totally work. You want to do it for free? Um, the easiest way is to take a look at the receipts. Like if you if you have WooCommerce or Shopify or something, you know it's a new customer versus a returning customer. Awesome. Let me identify all the people that are returning customers. Let me now isolate just what they bought on their first transaction. That could be like a CSV, just like a list. Let me put that into a word cloud. What's the biggest word? That's your most commonly selling product on a new customer that turns into a second purchase. I mean, hopefully it's not large or like red. Like you have to take some of those things out. You know what I mean? But in Under Outfit's case, is it bra? Is it cami? Is it panties? Whatever it is, right? If it's a dog, if it's a dog, is it, you know, is it dog food? Is it is it a treat? Is it, you know, peanut butter? Whatever it is, right? Done that with businesses over and over again. But that's something where, like, you could legitimately do that really, really fast and Now you're basically saying, of all the people that bought multiple times, what was the most common thing bought the first time? You don't need to be any good at math to understand that that's probably the best thing. That's the thing that most heavily indexes to a second purchase. So just start focusing on that. If you are a nerd and you've got more things, you can dive deeper. But like probably 80% of folks, that's probably the simplest way to get started
0: right and i i feel like there's so many brands that completely ignore what you're saying right now and a hundred percent not and i think fashion brands specifically are the, ones yeah. do the most right so how like what what will you do what would you tell a fashion brand right now that is just starting out or even you know at a point where they're making 50k per month and they feel like they need to advertise every single product in the store. Maybe they're not selling this product or this or that other product that they want to sell more. And they may be a little bit romantic about their products. What will you tell them
1: in order to scale their brand? Yeah, generally, I would would go in two ways. One, if they're really financially motivated, like they're good with numbers, I'll say, All right, if we know looking at this number that this is the most commonly bought product that brings in a second purchase, okay. And you're telling me you got a lot of products. Got it. Are you spending enough money right now that you can't, that you're going to sell out of this number one product and you need to support a second one? Most often, the answer to that is no. Like if you're making 50K a month, you're probably spending $500 to $1,000 a day maybe you're making 10, 15, 20 sales. So if you're making 300 to 500 sales of an item, do you not have the inventory to support that? I mean, if that's the case, that's another issue, but I think so many people avoid the fact that, like they think they need to be focusing on new areas of opportunity, but they're not even taking advantage of the best opportunity that they have. So in that way, it's really easy to say, you have 2000 of these in stock right now you're selling 500 a month that's like that's your your ad spend will support the sale of 500 to 600 a month why are you promoting anything else (laughs) like everything else you promote makes you lose money so you're going to work harder to make less money to make sure the machine is dumber and add cost on on warehousing and inventory you're basically Making sure that you are going the extra mile to make success far more difficult, that makes no sense. Like that is, I, I get it from the owner's perspective, of one to highlight everything. but from a numbers perspective, you don't have the luxury of needing to worry about that from if they're not numbers motivated or if they're not like really hip to like excel in finances and stuff like that. Then a lot of what I try to tell folks is like, what is the brand? Like, how do you make money? Right? Like, what is the thing that makes this interesting? And the number one example I give, especially in apparel, is like. I tell people, you don't need to promote all of your offers to sell them. The Jordans make up a fraction a very minuscule fraction of Nike's overall revenue, but they're probably the most commonly promoted offer because it gets you in the store. So what gets the right customer's attention to come into your store and then let the store sell them everything else if it's not the thing that they want? And if you can start to focus around identity and building around that way, then brands start to become a brand. And when you have a brand, you can build a moat and and ultimately get repeating customers. And, and generally I find that looking at it in one of those two ways answers the question for like 85, 90% of people. There are a few folks that are incredibly insistent on doing more than that, um, but you don't need more than that to get to a million a month in revenue. A million? And if you're at 500, if you're at 50K a month, like getting to a million is like game changing. And why make that any more difficult than it needs to be? You know, I think I remember when
0: I was working in an agency that one of my friends had a client. This is this is a true story. She had a client and it was a fashion brand. The, the client was making around 100K per month. And they were going. And I remember we will go over the ad account and I was looking at the ads. I noticed that there was this ad that was absolutely crushing it, right? It was winning by far. And the the ad was promoting a product that was completely sold out. And it, it was still the winning ad, even though they had not been selling that product for months already. And that was basically the ad that took people to the store to buy other products and that is exactly
1: yeah. right oh no i love that like i, I mean i i've run a black friday ad up until like m- like march or may like if it works who cares like what is advertising and i feel like this is a question most people get wrong advertising is ultimately buying or earning attention that you can predictably monetize, like that's advertising. So this product sold out, but you're now in my store. Great. If I'm making money, who cares? Like, like there's a typo. I don't care. We're sold out of it. Don't care. We stopped selling it three years ago. I don't care. Are we making money? Awesome. Let's solve another problem. Like, That's amazing, and I love that story. I'll bet you there's a 1,000 accounts out of a 1,001 where something like that is happening, where somebody just turned an ad off because somebody in the business said, oh, we can't support this, let's turn it off. And it was objectively better for the business than at least one other ad running in that ad account. And basically, by doing the right thing, they decided to make way less money. And if you're not thinking about it in numbers, if you're not thinking about it in money, then you're not thinking about it like a business owner. And you should be mindful of the business. If you're a business owner.
0: And not only, you know, not only they're seeing the numbers, right? They're seeing that it's working. But what drives me crazy is that I will hear a lot of people being like, Oh, but haven't haven't you seen the comments? Yes, the comments may be saying, it is sold out, we cannot buy this product, but still working a lot, right? It's still winning ad, it's still the
1: reason why you're at 100k per month, right? For that. Yeah. Yeah, when somebody says, Have you seen the comments? I'm like, Yeah, have you seen the bank account? (laughs) Done? 100%. (laughs) And, like, if that's not a good enough answer, then I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But, like, otherwise, you're just running ads to feel good about yourself. But ultimately, the reason you're investing money is to make a profit, or you're just a charity. And hey, look, nothing wrong with charity, but don't be upset when your business goes out because you decided what we're going to do is waste a lot of money. Like that, don't be surprised when things are hard.
0: Exactly. So Charlie, why you're saying that, especially for fashion brand, apparel brands, right? Yeah. One product is going to do a heavy lifting, right? And most, you know, from what I've seen in my experience with my clients and in my experience in marketing, it's almost always that it's one ad that's going to do the heavy lifting. And sure. By heavy lifting, I mean, like, probably 80% or more of, of the revenue. So yeah. how, did, how did the ad account change when you enter under Outfit? Like, what do you see in the ad account? What changes do you start implementing to start applying this method?
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, like we were talking about before, is, like, finding the one piece. And so that brings us to the second part of it, which is, now focusing the machine at doing the one task of greatest value and so here it was go from however many products we're promoting down to making sure that over 90 percent of every penny that was spent was on one best like offer in our case it was a comfort shaping bra um and when you start to use dynamic creatives to leverage Facebook's machine learning and AI and you start to use broad targetings you're not paying extra to make sure that the best people don't see your ad when you start to treat Facebook like a business partner who you respect instead of um somebody that you decided to go into business with that has told you exactly what they need that you're in a relationship with where you give them a lot of money and you don't see the results you want to so like curse them constantly even though your best operating procedure is to completely disrespect everything they've ever said um you start to work through if an ad gets spend in a cbo and dct environment abroad it's meeting facebook's business objectives Facebook marketing is as simple as two things. Facebook wants attention. You want money. If earning attention brings you money, you're doing a good job. If it doesn't, it's not good. Anything you do to get in the way of that is counterproductive. So when we simplify the ad account down to the one primary thing, I mean, we're running some other stuff, you know, like just trying stuff, right? And we focused on dynamic creatives to just give, let Facebook pick the best thing. It wasn't the first ad out of the gate, but like a couple weeks, a couple months in, we happened to have an ad that, for whatever reason, seemed to hit. And over like the next two or three months, that one ad spent like two million dollars. I think it was like one point eight million on one ad. And when we started, we were making less than 1.8 million, like a month. And we were able to spend 1.8 million on that one specific ad over the next like 90 days. And the brand just scaled massively because of it. And the point is, that ad, honestly, too, for what it's worth, was like made in the slideshow editor on Facebook. It was nothing other than like, uh like a video version of a carousel of static images like and it wasn't luck though that got us there it was every step of that had been tested like what are the right pictures what are the right you know headlines what are the right words that make people interested and it was iterative testing moving closer and closer and then just something stuck and honestly the reason it stuck might have been luck maybe somebody happened to say, oh, you know what? This product is great. And then the next person, five minutes later said, yeah, it is great. And I got my product in two days because the shipping is awesome. And the next person said, yeah, and their customer service is great. And just that day, it happened to hit the right, like, couple thousand people or whatever. And the comments just started to stack up and the thing just took off. The point is you can't control that. But that luck happens because you are prioritizing the user experience and the machine to deliver the ads to the right people if you're using audiences or promoting a bunch of offers or trying to do individual posts over and over and over again to try to get lucky your the likelihood of you hitting that goal is a fraction it's so exponentially smaller than saying hey facebook we're going to let you do whatever you want with this stuff and as long as you spend and our bank account goes up, we're great and we're just going to do everything we possibly can to make you happier and happier. And as a result, our bank account's going to get better and better. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of time. Like, how long will it take for you to get to that ad? In my experience, it generally doesn't take more than a couple months to get to some ad that fundamentally changes the entire landscape and also it's not about how many ads you test it has nothing to do with the volume of ads it has everything to do with the volume of data facebook gets to know who to show your content to and i'm wholly convinced that literally any ad that you build could be that ad that you can spend a couple million dollars on the reason that in a different bit, in a different world, in a bizarro universe, you know, that one ad could spend $10 million, but in you it spends $1,000 and doesn't work, is because you didn't invest and in getting Facebook to be smart and understand who to show that ad to. So the really en- enthusiastic and engaged users didn't see that ad often enough to engage with it in a way that made other people excited. And you forced your opinion onto a platform that doesn't care about your opinion at all. Um, you are running Facebook like it was Google in 2013. Like if you're still using audiences and cost caps and bidding models and trying to hack all of this stuff, that is that is a decades old best practice for a completely different platform. And those people generally don't get that winning thing. Occasionally they do, but if you use the Facebook system, the, the, the platform properly, if you use Facebook properly, the likelihood of you hitting that is basically 100%. It's just a matter of doing it enough and prioritizing it. So, And again, like I've seen the ugliest ads in the world be the absolute best, like, I, I I paid a Kardashian hundred thousand dollars for an ad, and I had it getting I had it got beat by the receptionist taking a picture in the kitchen when I was working at Three Ten Nutrition. Receptionist picture made us ten million dollars. Kardashian cost me a hundred grand to get Chris Jenner to take a picture. Probably lost eighty five thousand dollars. Like you have no control over what's going on. So the things you need to do is let the thing that has control. Have the best opportunity to 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 be successful for you
0: so you said a couple of things that is that i think it's it's really interesting but it may be good clarifying which is you said maybe we don't have to test volume of creatives right but with time and the other hand we are gonna get lucky quote-unquote lucky because we're using machine learning to put data on these ads
1: yeah How i mean yeah
0: so if for example if if i'm a brand right now i listen to this let's say that i have you know the typical three campaigns in my ad account right and in each campaign i maybe have i maybe have a couple assets in each campaign and in each asset i have multiple ads so already there there's a lot of a lot of places where my spend is going, right? Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, I need to find that creative that I'm, that's going to take me to the next level. I need yeah. to test more. I need to just test more and test more and test more. What will you tell that person so that you can take them to the next level?
1: Yeah, I think two things. One, I understand why you're doing that. You're just saying, hey, as long as I launch new ads, my results get good and i just keep needing to launch new ads. Because when you launch a new ad, the first couple of days are good. I would say, and this is completely inaccurate, but the seventh most common question I ever get asked, well, you're not true, but who knows? I haven't done the math on how many, how i get asked questions, but it's like, why do my results look great for the first few days and then die off? And it's like, well, because the new ad, Facebook's going to push it out to people. The problem is If your entire business is built on that initial rush it's not sustainable so your your frame of mind that frame of reference comes from the wrong place and where it comes from is there's a lot of people that started advertising like 2016 2018 they got really good and they realized they were being underpaid and overworked and undervalued by their employees. So and their employers, so they started their own ad agency and then they hired their friends and repeated the cycle of abuse and were generations deep of people being overworked, poorly trained and underpaid to like make an ad agency work. Cause it's a high margin, low, uh, you know, and, and low cost business, right. Which is great for business model. The point of it is, the best thinking hasn't really evolved. And at the time, 2016, the people that were coming up were being trained by folks who were great at CRO and email and search and display and programmatic advertising, where this is absolutely how you should be thinking because distribution of your ads is random. So when you are uh, running something like that, and, and, and you know 10 years ago when you were running an ad the reason you needed to target was because it was random distribution inside of that audience you had no idea who was going to see the ad it was all about bidding for cpms and all of that stuff so what you did is you said hey i don't want it to be random i'm going to try to narrow this randomness down to this one specific audience and we got affinity audiences and we got actor like audiences and then like within a year, Facebook had like, and interest groups. This was like 2013. Because at the time, Facebook was basically just Google Display. The point is, in 2018, Facebook changed. But the way that people think didn't. And some of the most common and popular thinkers and people that teach how to think about Facebook never learned the lesson that Facebook is not random distribution. It's and for those that are nerdy, I'm gonna get nerdy for a second. It's a game theory economy built on the uh currency of attention. Basically, people see the stuff they want to see. Attention is earned. So the point of all of this is to say where that testing style comes from is initial, non-scalable, non-projectable results that people chase followed by a methodology that comes that is the etymology of that methodology that's a weird sentence the etymology of that methodology comes from something that isn't how the platform works so you have this execution logic and framework and theory that basically has no bearing on the tool that you're using so it's a very long-winded way of getting to the point but i wanted to give that context. For that person that's trying to do it, if you know that Facebook is a machine learning algorithm, what are you teaching it? And what priority are you giving on teaching it to do that job better? Anybody can get lucky. Anybody can get lucky a couple times. The people that are good don't need luck to outperform the lucky people basically every day. So, like I said, that ad that got lucky and ended up spending $2 million happened because it sat on top of a mountain of very well-constructed data. That's basically just day in, day out, teaching the machine to go after the right people. And then it what was luck was, completely random, was what ad happened to pop off. But the fact that we had an ad that did pop off was completely not random. That is absolutely repeatable and non man like that is manufacturable by anybody. So my point to all of this is, and a very like, if I can sort of summarize it, because I know I've gone on like two soliloquies, um, is this. The way to build a successful ad is to give the machine enough data to understand who to show your ads to a really dumb ad will outperform a really smart ad far more often because a really dumb ad is a lot smarter with the data that it references an ugly ad will outperform the world's most beautiful video if the ugly ad's sitting on a thousand or ten thousand or million dollars of ad spend, and that video launches where basically it has nothing. and uh, so yeah, it's it's preparation and opportunity. So and if, then success is just a an output of that math equation.
0: What happens if I launch an ad, right with you know following your premise and mm. It got a couple of sales here and there, and then it starts to dip. And by the way, I'm launching this ad under, you know, a broad scenario. So, you know, for the audience, broad means no interests, no specific age, gender, like demographics are completely off and you just let the algorithm choose who to serve your ad based on the data you serve. So using broad targeting and using your method of dynamic creative testing. Yep. I'm testing a new ad, right? And it got a couple of sales. It's starting to dip. What should I do if it's not performing too well, knowing that it got sales before? Should I turn it off or should I leave it on to have more data?
1: Yeah. Um... First off, if the ad does well or doesn't do well, I don't care. Um, how's the campaign doing? And more importantly, how is your business doing because you're spending money there? Right. Um, success and failure, or if an ad is good or bad, is based purely on attribution. That if it is based purely on attribution, then it's what gets credit as the last touch point. That doesn't matter. Um, and what I'd be more interested in is when that ad earns more spend, what happens to my bank account? And more importantly, if my biggest problem is that when I look at my PSM, I can afford to spend more money on the acquisition of revenue, then I don't have a problem. I just need to spend more money. Like, I don't need to optimize my ads and increase my budget. Like, those are two completely separate moves. And if you do one, you don't do the other. <laughs> because ultimately, too, if your budget's 100 bucks a day, and that ad is great for the first two days, and then kind of drops off, and then it's spending like $5 a day or something like that, and you're like, oh, man, this ad sucks. I'm going to turn it off. But your performance is good what happens when you scale that and it goes to 150 200 500 a thousand a day that ad might actually do really good when you're spending a couple hundred dollars a day because the other ads that are earning all the spend that look really good they might not be able to scale with that business and ultimately the low-hanging fruit that those ads are really good at converting there is a law of diminishing returns at how much they can grow so how much work than an ad do. If I have to do $100 a day of work, one ad might be able to take 80, another ad takes 15, and then the third ad takes five. If I have to do $500 a day of work, one ad might take 300, another might take 150. Well, the other one is still necessary. And it might take $50 a day. The point is, in the way that Facebook delivers those ads, if the net result is my blended cpa across my business that goes into my equation of psm means that i can spend more money than that ad is doing its job and the easiest way of looking at it is something i call 4pi analysis but if your ad has a low budget and a really high cpm and then you go to break down by day and you see the frequency is high and the conversion cpa is great awesome that's a con that's a retargeting ad oftentimes i'll see ads where the cpm is really low the daily frequency is really low and the cost is really high and facebook and people are like why is facebook spending so much money on this bad ad well because that ad is growing your entire funnel double funnel ad yeah <laughs> yeah it's a top of funnel ad even at broad there's prospecting there's mid funnel there's bottom funnel and at the end of the day do you care about how that ad performs on facebook if it's bad on facebook but you notice that as a result of that ad getting more spend your bank account goes up because your organic search and your email improves well no that's a good ad and but to answer your point of what if that ad doesn't get spend or it starts to perform poorly i'm not in a rush to try to fix a problem that doesn't exist if my business is doing well and the biggest liability to my growth is the fact that I'm not spending enough of the margin that I'm making on every dollar that I spend. Well, I just need to increase my budget. And the easiest way of looking at this is like, ask yourself each week, can I increase my budget by 5%? If the answer is yes, do it. 5% a week over a year is 3x growth. Now if you do 5% a couple times a week, you can grow a lot faster. But the point is like, if you're stuck at 500 a day and you wanna to get to 1500 a day, just spend 5% more next week. And anything that gets in the way of that, remove it. And anything that isn't broken, don't try to go fix it. So my point to all of that is, I think people look at the ads as a source of results yeah and that is so wildly off base the ad is buying the attention the source of results is how good you are at monetizing it and how good your business model is at maximizing the value of that monetization and ultimately if the ad does spend a lot and your bank account goes down well then that ad is bad and in that case that's a lot easier to identify than an ad that doesn't spend a lot, that looks bad. Like if it doesn't spend a lot and it looks bad, well, if it's not spending a lot, Facebook's already kind of optimizing it out. So what's the problem? Right. Um, so to ask myself this question, if I can spend more money, I don't have a problem that I need to fix with creative testing or optimizing my ads. Yeah, that's
0: super interesting. and. I completely agree with that. And more and more, I have been seeing, especially with my clients recently, we've been implementing more approaches where we're not really looking at the ads, right? Where we've been, you know, all of a sudden a losing ad becomes a winner ad when you change an offer. When you, yeah. when you create an offer that has scarcity, has urgency, maybe some guarantees, and is extremely valuable to the customer that losing ad became a very profitable and winning ad in the ad account right all of a sudden something that you turned off went from being the bad ad to you know being a really good ad that may be may be the backbone of your business in the future right so yeah i think the game is far greater than just ads and acquisition for that matter right and people when when I when I do audits and when I when I have these calls with clients I feel like people focus too much on traffic and too much on ads and yes traffic is really important I'll I'm not going to say that but there are first of all numerous ways of achieving traffic paid ads is Facebook especially is the most expensive way of getting that yeah right now if you want to increase traffic going back to your point create a business model create a system that allows your business to spend more to get more traffic but the the majority of the times I see a lot of brands especially brands making from 10k to maybe even 100k just focusing on how can I get better ads or how can I optimize more the ads how can I do this trick here and there to get the money in day one profit right and what you're preaching basically is no there's a lot more to that game there's so many other options that you can focus so that that ad account looks profitable and that you can spend more right yeah i think i think that is something that is probably not Spoken too much in the industry, and it seems very logical that that's how you were able to come into this fashion brand under outfit and take it to not only the, le- the next level, but maybe even forward levels after that. you know
1: yeah, a- and to be fair, I think, what makes brands successful is being run well. Like a good business model is what scales an ad account an ad account is not what scales a business and i think if you begin to look at it like that then you start to focus on like how can i make the fewest amount of changes to have the greatest amount of stability in the front end of my business so i have the greatest confidence on the things that i'm doing to improve my business model If you're testing a bunch of ads, if you're testing a bunch of offers, if you're testing a bunch of audiences, what you're really doing is saying, let me see if I change the type of attention I buy on a dramatically consistent basis so it's wildly unstable and completely unpredictable and see if that works out well for me. And honestly, like investing in wildly unstable and unproven things that depreciate over time is not the path to making money path to making money is figure out something that works and then amplify it and the reason you run facebook ads is because you found something that works and you're amplifying it if you don't know what works fix that before you run your facebook ads and i think at least 20 30 percent of brands that i see fail on facebook fail because they ran facebook ads before they understood how to make money and that is uh that is the kiss of death like if you don't know how you make money then don't run ads. Like my best piece of advice to that is take some of your revenue and and some of your profits and invest that into ads to amplify however you got that revenue and profits. But you can't skip the revenue and profits part and just expect things to work out. Odds are you're going to fail miserably. and. To be fair, it's kind of your fault. Uh, And uh, so my hope is that people feel way more confident when they start to run ads because they know this is the one thing I need to run my ads to. This is how much I can afford to spend. If you don't know those numbers, then don't start spending money because you will lose it.
0: I remember you saying, I think you told me once, if... You're a brand that only relies on Facebook ads, then you should reconsider your business <laughs> Yeah, yeah. like if- there's so many brands in that situation that and maybe even watching this at the at this moment where they might be realizing, oh shit, I only run Facebook ads. That's my only method of traffic. I'm in deep shit right now,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the simple truth is like if you need your Facebook ads to work, For your business to be successful what you have is a bad business bottom line like the success rate of i rely purely on facebook ads to make money is infinitesimal like if you can't make money don't run ads because all you're doing is you're amplifying your failure by running ads to something that doesn't work and Paying extra money to lose money faster and amplify your failures is not a path to being successful.
0: 100%. I, I think that the majority of these brands, the reason why they're in that position is because they started out that way and they got yeah. a little bit of money that way. And the problem is that in order to build this system that we're talking about, it takes a lot of time. You know, building an organic audience takes a lot of time. And a lot of these brands that are just hundred percent reliant on Facebook ads, which is the, by the way, the most expensive way of acquiring customers in 2023, but at the same time the the most scalable, for that matter. They were just impatient, impatient, right? To yeah, create the foundations of the business, and. Yeah they are seeing the consequences whenever they are in maybe 10 K per month, 20 K per month, 50 K per month.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I've also seen businesses that are successful that hire ad agencies that don't think about this. They don't think about business fundamentals as a standard operating procedure. And they hire people who basically their business model is let me get somebody to pay me a lot of money so I can destroy their business I would say that's the vast majority of ad agencies right and it's unfortunate and I hope that people realize how easy Facebook is and how fun it can be because you don't need an agency I would say 40 to 50 percent of people that hire an agency don't need one and investing in understanding that knowledge for yourself will save you your future because whoever's running your ads should understand how your business works and how to be successful in business and i would say 90 98 percent of facebook media buyers aren't people that have successfully built and scaled businesses, and they don't know the ramifications of their actions. And to be fair, I think that's a lot of really successful ad agencies. Um, and, you know, I try to call that out whenever I see it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of folks that look to metrics like ROAS to say how successful they are.
0: Right.
1: Instead of saying, when you work with us, your bank account improves because what we're doing is trying to amplify your successful business model. And we're working on you as a business success partner. And um, if the people you talk to talk in ROAS or they're talking about doing a lot of testing or they don't speak in money, odds are they're a liability to your bottom line and hiring them will only accelerate the failure that you're probably going to see. And, um, every day I get people that like have gone through that over and over again. And, uh, so I just try to, you know, do things like this to try to provide an alternative to paying a lot of money to people that don't care about you so that they can destroy your business. One hundred percent.
0: And look, I I cannot tell you how much I get into, you know, calls with people, you know, consulting calls, sales calls, whatever, with e-commerce brand founders that are just like you can see it in their face. They're like just like tired, and they think I'm gonna be another guy, another guy that's gonna tell them how I'm I'm going to improve the ROAS or how I'm going to, you know, I don't know, improve the MER, or whatever. And you know, I feel like it's also you know yes it's the agency's faults, of course uh, a lot of times but at the same time going back to the point i feel like these people grew their business with facebook ads and facebook ads is like the the way like the the short way of growing right if you look at how Gymshark shark grew it took like five years for them to start growing to i don't know 50 I do not i don't i don't know if know the numbers but you know it took like a lot of time and this like ben francis was going to all these in-person events to to sell the products and going to all these pop-up stores and he was building the foundations right these Mm -hmm. these brands don't often build the foundations first and i look i'm empathetic to these people as well like building the foundation is so hard like building an organic um traffic channel is really hard building an audience for maybe you're doing it for personal brand that's super hard maybe you're building your email list that's super hard it takes a lot of time takes a lot of effort but at the the same time it's necessary right
1: yeah I mean if you don't do the hard work don't expect to get the good results exactly so that's I think this comes down to if you are to wrap this all up simply put uh do the hard work or Expect to fail a hundred percent. I want to
0: ask some rapid fire questions, okay? And I wanted to answer in a really short um, I don't know, short answer. I'm gonna ask you, what would you tell someone who is just starting out with e commerce to grow to maybe, I don't know, 10k per month from zero to 10k per month? What is your primary focus right now?
1: Uh, understand your numbers, LTV, cost per acquisition, cogs, purchase cadence. Figure out the product that people inspire as the most secondary purchases and prioritize the acquisition of that sale as efficiently and as high volume as you possibly can. Literally everything else is a complete distraction and will cost you the future of your business.
0: Short and sweet. So what about going let's say I'm a business founder making 10K per month. I don't really know if next month I'm gonna, I'm gonna be profitable or not, but I'm at least making 10K per month. I wanna go to hundred K per month, 50 to hundred K per month. What, what will you tell
1: me? Um, it's pretty much the same thing. Like three things. Number one, also time block your time and understand all of the things that are happening in your business and how much they cost and how much money you make. Look at that at your time. Look at that for your employees. And look at that for the things that you're spending money on promoting. Anywhere where that, like, look at the most profitable investments that are the easiest to scale and focus on those things. Purely improving your operations is easily the best way to get from six figures to seven. There are a lot of things to get from seven to eight and eight to nine. But most people that are struggling to get to six or trying to get from six to seven, generally it's a misallocation of resources. And just fixing that can so dramatically improve your unit economics. And so like that is the number one most important thing. Where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your time? And anywhere that you can outsource for cheaper, where you can spend less money than revenue you make, do it. And anywhere where you're investing that's not the most profitable investment, stop. Figure that out, and success is a lot easier and more fun.
0: Okay, so yeah, it feels like you said that in this stage, there's a lot of tasks that are demanded, but one founder cannot do all of them. So, right outsourcing might be the way out so that you can do and fulfill the tasks needed for you to go to the next level now lastly i want you to answer what will you do what do you tell someone who's at 100 100k 100 to 500k wanting to go to a million or what you did with 100 outfit four million dollars
1: <laughs> yeah on a monthly revenue like i think at that point it's Really begin to dig into what cash flow looks like for your business and understand your costs. If you can understand how money leaves your bank account and the easiest way for you to put money in it, put that, write that down, understand what that is, and identify your biggest liabilities and your biggest assets and invest more heavily in your best assets and remove your investment your biggest liabilities like it is not much more complicated than that the execution of that might look dramatically different for everybody but almost always what holds people back is they prioritize the things that aren't of the most value and their definition of success isn't nearly as good and they're asking the wrong questions they're valuing the wrong metrics so if you want to make more money figure out where you make money and figure out where you spend it and just improve those unit economics like i know that's a massively oversimplified statement but to give the example of under outfit there was let's say a dozen products we were promoting one was the best okay let's get rid of 10 or 11 of them And now let's make sure that that thing gets better for us. Well, what do we need to do that? Well, we need better customer service. We need better whatever it is, email marketing, whatever it is so that we can improve what that does for us, okay? Now this is taking a lot of our time so we can't work on the business. Can we find somebody that we can pay for less money than they'll make for us? Yes, okay, let's do it. Are they the best? Who cares? It's profitable and we can go back to spending our time on doing what works. And focusing on that, only fixing what's broken and taking your biggest challenge and making that thing you focus on fixing first it's extremely difficult to not get better when you start analyzing your landscape like that cool sweet um i want to i want to ask you one last thing okay or Uh, yeah i've got a couple of minutes my wife just came in so like i think I uh, should probably go check out what it is. But let me do one more question, and then I'll go in and check on her. She, was, she doesn't usually bother me, so I didn't get to see her face, but I think she probably has a question that needs to be answered. So let me do one more, and then I'm going to go take care of her. Okay,
0: last one. I just want to know, first of all, um, how how did you get into e-commerce and digital marketing? And where are you going now after, like, what's the future
1: for Charlie? yeah uh the honest truth is i got into this because uh, you know i think i was in a band and i was a radio personality i was good at promoting myself eventually i got good enough promoting myself people asked me to promote them uh when i moved out to california quit the radio business i got a job at a social media ad agency it's 10 bucks an hour and i knew that i could kind of do the work on my own i got some of my own clients my biggest client fired me because he put 100 bucks in the Facebook ads and it was did more for him than what I was charging 2000 a month for. And so like my wounds. And then the next day, I put my credit card into Facebook and started figuring that out. Within three months, I was running Jamba Juice. And within six months, I was running things for like Jane, Silent Bob and Robert Rodriguez. And within nine months, I was a supervisor at Omnicom spending like a million a day. Uh, and that was you know, 2013, 2014. I think... I got lucky at being at the right place at the right time. I also think that. What worked well for me was that I focused on what I was doing by putting the bank account of the client first, and that made me a really bad employee at ad agencies. But being a bad employee also had the benefit of getting fired a lot. So I got to be the star new employee at a lot of places. So I got to work with the smartest person in a lot of rooms. And it's a path that I don't necessarily recommend for anybody. But ultimately, the priority was put upon. How can I provide the most amount of value to what is most important? And how do I do the most good for the least amount of work? And when I figured that out and when I when I figured that that was the priority, things tended to move really quickly. And I think the biggest gift that I had was realizing when I was five, six years in, and it was like 2016, 2017, that 2018, that like I was a lot further than a lot of other people. So I made a point of teaching and sharing what I learned with as many other people as possible. And as a result, I have had every single day in my life for the last six or seven years, somebody come in and challenge what I've said, present new ideas and make me think critically about it. So the amount of reps that I have and creative problem solving and analytical thinking on fixing problems for business development, Facebook ads, like that is hours of every day for the better part of a decade. And I think that's an unfair advantage I have, but it was because I put myself in that position. I put myself out there and I was willing to learn. And the future is basically me just trying to pass that on to as many people as I can. Because I want people to know that success is absolutely possible. I think the vast majority of people that tell folks how to be successful in digital marketing are dead wrong about basically everything they're talking about. I think the results speak for themselves and if what I can do is help people create joy and opportunity with their daily life, then that is ultimately me producing more good. And if I can teach more people how to produce that for other individuals, then I'm ultimately doing what I started to do in the first place, which was create as much good as I can by doing the least amount of work and creating the most value, which is basically why I was a bad agency employee. And now you know, I run Disruptor School and I run Facebook Ads MBA program and I have like a you know a YouTube channel and uh, or a lot of them and social media stuff. And like I just every single day I go out there and try to do this kind of thing because it's super fun for me. It's what I would do if I didn't have a job. And I would say I've been unemployed for years now and uh, I'm doing OK. And because uh, I, I basically just help other people provide opportunity for themselves and others. and. That is a place of privilege and of luck, because I was in the right place at the right time, and I said the right things to the right people, and that is not lost on me. And I just try to find places where people are struggling and offer them an easier, simpler way to solve their problems, so they can, they can create more good. And I think that um, a lot of people see the, what I do as being disruptive. Or as being contrarian for being contrarian's sake or ultimately causing harm. And what I will say is this. If me doing my job creates harm to your job, it's probably because your job is to create harm to others. And as long as I can feel confident in saying that, I'm a happy guy.